baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. Wiggins, America. I am not a number. I am a free man. Wiggins, America. The only thing I'm going to need from you guys right now is a cup of coffee. Wiggins. Today's global economy waits for no man. America. Today's global business climate is like, whatever, dude. Politics is a dirty game. I'm not sure we want to play. There are forces here at work that you couldn't possibly understand. You have no idea how high up this goes. Welcome to Wiggins America. Good morning. Trisha is here this morning. We're going to do serious questions, but I have a real question for you because we're sitting here talking, you know, waiting to go on. You said your power went out last night and sparks were flying and going crazy. So that's Mm -hmm. kind of fun to watch. At least you had a show. It was super cool, but it was kind of scary because I walked to the end of my driveway because I wanted to get close and then things were like popping above my head and I thought, oh, this is how stupid people die. Yeah. So I went back (laughs) in my house and watched it from my window. Yeah. Mike Power just did the same thing. It was either last week or earlier this week. I don't remember which. I think it was last because I was trying to write an article. And there goes the power. I can't write an article anymore. Well, uh, are are you... Here's where my mind is going. It's not as if we've never had power outages before. Mm -hmm. We have power outages every year, all the time. And maybe it's just where I live. I'm thinking, oh, man, are they getting worse? My mind keeps going to, is this... The way things are going now, did your did your ghost? Do you think the same thing, or am I alone? No, I actually did think the same thing. You did, but I my my rational brain knows that that's not the case. Sometimes yes. the power goes out, but you know, I'm getting ready to get married soon, yep. and I'm waiting for that shoe to drop. And the power went out, and there was all the electrical sparks, and like we survived the pandemic, and and I thought to myself, is this? another like sign of the end i know is this is this ominous in some way is this like uh, like uh, like foreshadowing something bigger oh like personally for you no and like for the world like that's where my mind's going it did it actually did go and i can't think of other examples of that but i know that i'm doing that in life in general right now if something goes wrong especially with infrastructure some roads not getting Mm -hmm. fixed or something i'm like well this is the way it's going now. And I kind of believe... Every time you see a story of a sinkhole, you're like, yeah, yep, that's just how it is. That's, well, th- th- these things have always happened, but now we used to fix them. Now we're not even going to fix them anymore. And now power is going to start going out all the time yeah. because we're broke. You know, yeah. like that kind of stuff. I think it's because of what we do. We're looking yeah. at news all the time. I but think as a society, too, we've just been through a weird shift where the I, impossible became possible. And now anything that is slightly off kilter feels like... Trisha, I opened the show today talking about that. I kid you not, because I probably didn't hear it, but 
I opened the show talking about how there's a feeling of ominous kind of doom mm-hmm. or something over, and it's like the whole country is feeling that. I don't know what it is, if it's perception or if it's... Because I keep thinking, is it because we're here doing news all the time and we're looking at all these negative stories and we're talking about how socialism causes these things and the less money you have, the less you can deal with this stuff. And is this a sign of all this stuff happening? But I I don't think it's just us. I don't think it's us either. I've had friends that are saying they're feeling very disconnected from reality over the past, I don't know, six months or so. Can't quite pinpoint what it is, but it's all people that have like gone through the same things we've gone through. And I don't know. It's been... I wondered, too, because my wife had... She's a teacher, so she had the summer off. So, obviously, a lot less pressure in the summer, hanging out with the kids and just swimming and stuff. But when she goes back to school, it's all of a sudden, like, boom. It is intense pressure. And the last couple years, especially, have been just incredibly hard. Mm -hmm. uh, Partially because of all the rules. But, honestly, part of it is just you're wearing a mask. She's a lecturer, so she teaches English and she ta- teaches literature and stuff. She has to yell through that mask all day. Well, that's gone now. But she, and so everything was kind of getting blamed on the mask. And I'm not saying I'm supporting masks. I'm just saying that it was always well. That's the issue. As soon as we can get rid of those, things will get better. Well, that's true. But it's like the pressure still hasn't left. Whatever that that thing is, mm-hmm. and it's almost like a emotional, spiritual thing that we just went through that you thought, oh, as soon as we all wake back up from our sleep of two years of shutting everything down, everything will go back. And it's like, well, we have. We've woken back up for the most part. You're not wearing masks on planes and stuff anymore. You know, most of that stuff's gone. Not all of it, but most of it. But it's still the same pressure exists. It's like there's a feeling. You're absolutely right. It's like there's a pressure that's looking for another spot to jump into, but we, we don't have one yet. But that scares me mm-hmm. because what's the next thing? Is it another? Vi- is it you know? Is it going to be monkeypox? No, it wasn't monkeypox quite. You know, is it <clears> going to be a natural disaster? Is, is it, it whatever? Be, yeah, whatever. Is it climate it's crisis? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's like people are. It's something almost like above your head is is pushing down and going. What's the next thing going to be? Because you're ready for it. You're ready for the thing. You just haven't placed it yet. I was thinking I was driving the other day and I was thinking how um, it must feel to be in Ukraine on top of like because the whole globe, like the whole world went through what we went through in varying degrees of that and then put a war in it. Yeah, it's it's, it blows my mind that there are people living in civilized society fighting just to remain independent. Right. On top of everything else. I don't right. know. I just, I, yeah. I thought, I, I mean, I thought, wow, I'm extremely fortunate was where the thought came from. But, you know, the worst did happen to those people. And now, and then even like something even worse happened. Mm-hmm. It's like, what worse is out there? It's a, it's a good point because, you know, when you compare what we're going through, it's still better than other parts of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Ukraine's a good example because they're in the midst of a, a war. And I think we forget, we, talk about it politically because that's what impacts us. You know, what are we going to spend here? What are we going to do about it? How's it going to impact global politics? But when you get right down to it, if you're in Ukraine, 
Like, life sucks. You're fighting for your life. You're fighting for your country. You're fighting for your family. To exist. Yeah. Yeah. And you weren't having to do that a year ago. And it's so hard, though, to put yourself in a situation that you've never been in Mm -hmm. that's so extreme and so different. Because I've tried to do that my whole... Like, being a Christian, you see missionaries in, in different parts of the world, usually third world countries, very, very poor. You're talking about Bangladesh. You're talking about parts of Africa. You're talking about probably even parts of South America that don't get as, as much attention and Latin America where you, where these people are going in and trying to help. You know, they're just painting a building or something. You know, usually it's something like whatever. But then I also have other friends who go and they actually live. I have a friend right now who lives in Kenya mm-hmm. and has started a school in rural Kenya. And I'm whenever he comes home, I'm like, dude, give me details of what your life is like, because I just want to know. I don't get how people exist without the things that we have or what society is like. But then I see pictures and it's so strange because you have a picture in your head of what that would be like. But then when you talk to somebody who's on the ground there, wherever there is, it's it's kind of different, mm-hmm. but it's kind of the same. Mm-hmm. And you see pictures now of people like oh, the, the poorest parts of the entire world. Well, they're walking around wearing Adidas shirts and stuff. And you're just like, that's not what's in my head. And it doesn't mean that they're fine, that they're wearing a brand name shirt or something, but it's just like the the culture of the world is so not what is presented to us in news and movies. Right. But when you talk to somebody who's actually there doing work or meeting people, it's just, it's so differently foreign because it's, it's different than what's even in your head as foreign. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Yeah. But I do think that the whole world's going through... Well, and I somewhat think, of what we're talking about. I think about. too. So we, I think to your point, we all kind of do that. We think about, we look at the things around us and try to figure out how we can identify our situations with it or empathize or whatever. But a couple of years ago, we would have said the same thing about a pandemic, right? We would have been like, ah, I can't even like, it's kind of like this, but it might not be like this. Yeah. And then we all went through it, and it's just, I don't know, it's just a bizarre. Yeah, time that's to another be alive. thing. My wife said to me. Two days ago, she was she. We were talking to somebody, and she goes, "Well, remember when you told us? You said in March that it would be crazy if school would shut down." And I'm like, "Katie, that's because it was crazy <laughs> it that was school crazy. shut down. Yeah. All the things that we dealt yeah. with were had never Insane. happened before. Mm-hmm. So my prediction that this is what will happen was me giving a little bit and saying, "All right, in the extreme, this is what should happen." And then we went beyond that, mm-hmm. and it's it's. It's weird to sit here now and look back and go, we're through that because it doesn't feel like we're through it. No, there's the residual feelings of, ooh. well, and we're not that far through it. So no, I'm, you're right. I'm getting ready to get on an airplane and I had to ask somebody, do I need to wear a mask on this airplane? Because in January when I flew, I did. Yeah. You know, that's all this year. It yeah. hasn't been that long yeah, since true. we were still wearing masks on planes and accepting that as a thing. <laughs> Can I conclude this with a political point please yeah thank you i know that you love that when biden last weekend was on 60 minutes he declared well the pandemic is over mm-hmm. have you, you watched the press team this week deal with the fallout of that yes i have is that not amazing mm-hmm. the man is the president of the united states and clearly everybody around him is dictating what's happening uh-huh. because they corinne jean pierre came out and was like, no, that he didn't mean that. He, <laughs> and everybody he around said him, it, but what yeah. he meant was, yes, mm-hmm. it's incredible. Yeah. But everybody knows that that's true. But to watch it happen, you're like, we elected this man. 
to lead the country. I know. Well, That's apparently. Wild. <laughs> and, and, and even people who voted for him ha- have to acknowledge this guy is not running things. There's no way he's running things. And he's apparently going to run again in 2024. I just don't we'll see, see it. I, we'll see. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll finish there. We'll, we didn't do serious questions. Well, we did serious questions, just not the segment serious questions. We'll do that when we come back. We'll take a little break. Patricia will be back. Stick around. Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. All right, normally we take a break, do a little segment. I might do a monologue, talk about news stuff. But I said, Trisha, stick around because I have a news story that really, I don't even know if it's a news story. It's more like just stuff that fits into what we were just talking about. That I want to pick your brain on just a little bit, just since we're talking about almost psychology here. In a broad sense, we're talking about the nation, we're talking about the world, but we're talking about us. And I, I pulled this story for a Wiggins America segment earlier this week on the Annie Fry Show and did use part of it. We didn't quite get into what I was intending to talk about because we just, you know, veer all over the place, just like we are this morning with you. And we're, I call it an audible here. So um, the story is about a mom who says she she was walking around Walmart with her daughter. She noticed that there was a guy who seemed to be kind of hovering around them, mm-hmm. which is just an instinct. And I, I, I'm a grown man, and I sometimes will have the instinct, is somebody following me, or they just happen to be going down the same aisles as me? No, you know, you know there's a, a, there's a, like difference. a spidey sense yeah. that tingles. But, you, but you, you start to think that way, and then you start to pay attention. And then most of the time for me, it's, oh, no, they're not following me. Mm-hmm. Oh, that beautiful woman it just happens to be walking around. She must be following she, obviously, me. Obviously, she... That's where no, my mind goes. No, and then not. I look, oh, no, she oh, wasn't no. following she's me. She shopping. wasn't even looking at me. Yeah. There wasn't even a person she's there. going the other direction <laughs> yeah. quickly. Yeah, she's running. <laughs> she's, yeah. <laughs> she left oh her cart. She just ran into a huge oh. stack of Lunchables. They're everywhere. I hope she's okay. This is embarrassing. Check on her. For her. Why is she I'm screaming? Fine. Um, but the story is that she kind of got this spidey sense, like you said, that some guy was following her and her daughter. So she starts... I must have crossed over into, okay, I'm pretty sure this guy is being a creeper. She starts recording him. And that, to me, is a great defense. Yeah. I mean, you start recording somebody. You don't know if they're live streaming you. You know, you're like, oh, I think I'm going to back off. Well, she started recording him, and it worked. The guy backed off, and he was really, he was creeping on him. Apparently, in the video, she was looking through. You know how you can see through an aisle? If you mm-hmm. move the toilet paper far enough to the left, you can see through. She was watching through the aisle, and she could see this guy was there. Yeah. I mean, it gets Ugh. creepy, right? Yeah, I don't like it. So it worked. Um, but my my question that relates to what we were talking about is, 
how much do you think about worst case scenarios? You know, whether you're shopping or Mm -hmm. you're at your house and all of a sudden there's an actual fire happening and you're going, ooh, can I watch this or would I catch on fire? Or am I going to catch on fire? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's obviously times everybody kicks into adrenaline mode and you go, oh, there's a problem here. But that line's different for everybody too. And Mm -hmm. I think I'm rather oblivious to things most of the time when I'm- No. No, no, really. (laughs) When I'm out and about, I'm, I'm never thinking of worst case scenario- except when my kids are with me mm-hmm. and it's a it's a full-on instinct and... that i did not know i was going to have and it's not that i'm envisioning their gruesome death all the time it's just oh there's a ditch there i need to watch my son because he might get too close to the ditch you know just little things that mm-hmm. you're always thinking about but when i'm alone i don't really think that way so i figured i'd just pose the question to you are you always thinking worst case scenario is this a doomsday thing or no no not anymore it's something i've had to really work on because i think it stems from anxiety i think we've talked about this in the past but i really over the past year or so i've really practiced getting that under control in like healthy ways ways that work for me it works differently for everybody else Mm -hmm. but those jumping to conclusions and those worst case scenarios I, i think that stems a lot of time from people's inner anxiety and it can totally consume you if you let it yeah it can people have varying degrees of like their tolerance for it and ways to deal with it and it's definitely something people have to like talk to their doctors about sometimes but can i ask you and you don't have to share this if you don't want to but what are your methods for dealing with it if if you if you realize oh my you know something's jumping out of my chest here and it's irrational Mm -hmm. what do you say to yourself or what do you do i have to so well in a bigger, broader sense, I had to give up alcohol, and okay. I had to start getting enough sleep, and I had to exercise regularly. It's pretty standard huh. stuff. But I also do yoga, and when I start to have like full-on like anxiety attacks or moments, it happens a lot before I public speak or when I'm in situations that make me uncomfortable, I have to do breathing exercises. Hmm. It's really concentrating on the breath and staying mindful and present and yeah. just stopping everything, tuning out the noise. Well, the the public speaking thing is common. Right. And, but that's like, that's when it gets, for me, really heightened at this point. Yeah. Now, I, like last night, when the storm was happening and I, the trees were on fire, I thought, I just ran through the, like, list of scenarios in my brain, what I could do, and I kind of did a whole, like risk versus mm-hmm. like reward do i want to stay up all night and worry about this or can i sleep and i kind of just rationalized through it mm-hmm. but it's for me it's breathing and staying calm and present and a lot of people say exercise you said exercise mm-hmm. and i don't i don't get that one but i guess that does work it's i walk just every morning you... i walk in nature every morning mm-hmm. i make sure that i'm outside every day that. for an yeah. x amount of time getting fresh air yeah i think the thing that i'm talking about probably more than I think we're, we're talking about two different things here in a sense one is you know your instincts for danger mm-hmm. and that's that's one thing but the other is when anxiety that re- you know in your head that probably shouldn't be mm-hmm. existing right now and you sort of have to fight it off and for me that's the older I've gotten the more I've had to deal with that uh-huh. that's something I for my young life man I never dealt with at all and I think kids probably change that because you're responsible for so many more people and stuff. Well, staying present and staying mindful yeah. is huge. Yeah. You know, when those things kick in, just being present and being aware and being aware of like your mind enough, training your mind to know what makes sense and what doesn't. And 
again, you do. Uh, there is a risk associated with everything we do. Yeah. At any given time, it's the whole like you get in a car, there could be an accident. But we know that we need to get in that car to go somewhere, and right. your brain just naturally rationalizes some of it, and then having that like inner monologue and like figuring out what brings you to a calm place when mm-hmm. those things are happening when you're being a bit irrational. I do think that there's a there's <clears throat> probably somebody listening right now who says, yeah, that inner monologue, that controls me. I can't control it. 100%. You know, mm-hmm. and I've so, had points in my life where it controlled me. Yeah, I get it. I get it because I people I know who are that way. I'm not that way, but I it is getting more it, it's the more responsibility I have in my life. That's mm-hmm. what I've noticed. Cuz when I do media and stuff, this is second nature for me. It's not that I haven't had to learn how to do radio or talk mm-hmm. radio. I moved from music to talk and I've done TV and stuff. You know, it's always a learning curve. But this stuff to me doesn't necessarily stress me out in the anxiety sense. It stresses me out if I don't understand how to do something, but I view it as a challenge. It's, it's stuff I like mm-hmm. and I like growing. So, you know, the first time I ever had to do a live for a client, I was like, I don't know how to do this, but I'm going to try, I mean, I'll try to take it on, you know? So that's like normal life anxiety. But the anxiety that gets to me is stuff that's outside of it's, I think I've mentioned this before. I, my neighbors are going to be judging me for not cutting my grass fast enough. Mm-hmm. Or I got I, I got 30 things I have to make sure don't happen at one of my rental properties. Well, that stuff's not really happening. It's stuff that I'm making up mm-hmm. in my head. And so I've had to create that discipline that I know a lot of people have had to do, and you're talking about, to almost preach to myself. And for me, that's preaching the gospel to myself mm-hmm. and say, you don't have to worry. Like, this is taken care of. There's a sovereign God, you know? Yeah. Well, that's the what's in your control and what's not in your yeah, control. Yeah, exactly. If something's nagging at you and it is your grass, maybe you need to cut your grass. Well, sure. Because that'll make you feel better. But I've noticed but if that even doing that sometimes doesn't take care of the problem. But if it's what's going to happen that's what's going to go wrong, that's when you have to say, I yeah. got to give it up to God. Yeah. There's nothing else I can do about it. Yeah. I have to, I can't let this consume me because every moment is precious Yeah, and staying present and letting, letting the universe work its course, like no, and trusting that you'll be able to handle those things when right. they come up. Right. Right. I don't know how to do that other than to say, I'm not in control. You almost have to say it's beyond me at this point. I have to not be the one who's dealing with these things. Other than the, you know, the stuff you can deal with, you deal with. The stuff you can't, you have to say, I can't do it. All right, we will break there temporarily here. We'll come back, and like I said, I keep teasing that we're going to do serious questions. We are. We're going to do that, so stick around. Let me hear your bell like it's ringing out. Come and keep your comrade warm. I'm back in the USSR. I heard Brian Kilmeade talking about this and breaking it down very nicely with attorney Andrew McCarthy. It is about Trump's lawsuit that he has, another one that he's fending off, this time in New York against the Attorney General of New York, Letitia James. Now, what she has done is sued him for misrepresenting his assets. So let me clarify here. Trump is not above the law, nor is anybody. 
as long as that law is good law. And for the most part, the United States has very fair and just laws. We're not perfect, but we're much more fair than a dictatorship or some you know terrible place in the world. We're slipping into some terrible things. And this is an example of that. I say that about Trump, though, just to remind myself more than anything that, um, and I don't need, I get, you'll, if you've, if you've heard this show before, Trump isn't above the law and I'm not afraid to criticize Trump because truth, capital T and small T are truth. They don't exist within a person on this earth, (laughs) at least Uh, that person exists in heaven right now, capital T. But he, just like anybody else, Trump, just like anybody else, the closer you get to the truth, the better off you are. And the further you get away from it, the worse. And he has done a lot of things that have been right on the money. But sometimes he steps out too. So sometimes when these lawsuits happen, there'll be there'll be some merit to the lawsuit, even if you know it's politically motivated. So you can't ever divorce the political motivation from a lawsuit involving former President Donald Trump right now. But sometimes the lawsuit does have merit. It never would have been brought up if he wasn't the president, though, right? You understand that. We all understand this. So in this case, when I I looked at this, and I was listening to different experts explaining this case from Letitia James in New York, I was open to, oh, maybe he did. Maybe he did some financially questionable things. But no, um, this one is not. Now, he has done some financial things that probably were either bending or breaking the rules. I would venture to say most billionaires have. I would venture to say most people who have any money have because you avoid trying to pay taxes as much as you possibly can. And somebody will bring that up and go, hey, you can't really do that. And you go, well, I'm trying to get around those rules. That's what you do. In this case, though, what they're saying, and there's, there's, there's multiple aspects to what Letitia James AG is doing here. But the primary one is about this Deutsche Bank and him misrepresenting buildings that he had, real estate that he had to Deutsche Bank. So he would say something like, well, that tower is worth $100 million when it was probably only worth about 75. He was inflating the value to try to get better loans and better leverage. So she's saying you can't do that. That's illegal. The problem is when you look at this case just by itself, there's no merit to it because Deutsche Bank didn't even complain. He already paid, paid the loans back, which is all they care about. And they assess it for themselves. They're not just taking his word for it. They're going to send out their own assessment when they're giving a loan. And they assessed it for themselves and determined whatever. That's private. That's up to them. They didn't even complain. There's no hurt party in this. I would say, flip side, the more illegal thing that's happening here, or at least immoral, unethical, is what Letitia James is doing. She actually campaigned on finding something against Trump. She didn't have a crime. She said, my, my constituents, those of you who would vote for me, I promise that when I get into office and become New York's Attorney General, I will find something to go after Trump on. That is so unethical that it should be investigated in and of itself. It's horrible what they're doing to that guy. And I will go on record for that. It is horrible what they're doing to that guy. Whether you like him or not, you don't want to see this happen. This is the United States of America. All right, this is Wiggins America, also. United States of America to Wiggins America. And we will be right back. Short second, we'll be right back.
Time for serious questions. Trisha Seekman's back. Last time I could call you that. I know. How bizarre is that? Let's let's savor this moment. I love Seekman so much. A that, moment of silence. Yeah, let's take a let's take a long sixty seconds of silence. Ready? Yeah, it'll wake engineering up. You think they woke up yet? Oh yeah, the alarms are going off. <laughs> all right, um, all right. Serious questions. Serious question. This article originally appeared in Vegetarian Times. Mm, my fave. Um, it's about a climate activist and drag queen named Patty Gonia. She is ta- she, she right? Like Patagonia, isn't that a thing? Is that a brand or is that a? Oh, that's Pangea. I was thinking about the supercontinent. No, Patagonia is a brand, but her name is Patty Gonia. I think that she's a got play her own brand. That. I think that. All right, carry on. So the Vegetarian Times spoke with Patagonia about why she's taking a stand for regenerative agriculture. <laughs> Um, from taking the train rather than airplane to following a strict plant-based diet, there are plenty of ways to minimize our individual carbon footprint. For drag queen and climate activist Patagonia, small but consistent lifestyle, lifestyle changes are the key. Among them, purchasing from brands that place an emphasis on regenerative agriculture. They spoke with Patagonia to get her insights on why regenerative agriculture is so important to a more sustainable future and all the reasons we should seek out farmers and brands that are investing in regenerative organic agriculture practices. <laughs> My serious question is not why did the vegetarian times seek out drag queen Patagonia for her authoritative stance on this topic. That's not your That's not question? my serious question. My serious question. Serious question. Do you want to hear what Patagonia told vegetarian times <laughs> about regenerative ag- agriculture? <laughs> Uh, sure. Oh, I, do you? Yep. Are you sure? Yep, lay it on me. All right, here it is. She says, at its core, regenerative organic agriculture, the path Tazo is pursuing, which I think she's just promoting a brand of chai there. <laughs> you think she's doing this for her tea business? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But this is all from Yahoo and, you know, this Vegetarian Times. It looks like repairing soil, improving biodiversity, ways to sequester carbon. That's what she said. I just wanted to hear the rest of it to see how you'd handle that story because there were so many big words in it. I know. I know. <laughs> like, he's going to pass out. I just, when I saw the headline, I'm like, why did the Vegetarian Times say, man, we need to do a piece on regenerative agriculture? Who do we get that so we can, that, I, that's going to talk about this? I get it. I don't. I would not say that that's a uh, out of off brand piece for the vegetarian times to do. I wouldn't either. I don't know that the fact that she's a drag queen has anything to do with the story. But that, but that she's a that's human the point being of the that story. knows a lot. You know, you. I mean, that's the headline is her in full drag in these crazy costumes. I just don't think that that is relevant to the. I don't either. The climate efforts. I I don't either. But that's if you see, I'm reading it, so you can't see it. But that's all over the article. Yeah. It's just pictures of her and these weird poses and like these crazy backgrounds. That's the article was getting you to click on it because it was drag queen Patty Goni. Well, it worked. They won. It sure did. You got one? 
Sure. Uh, flying bike leaves sticker shock. Have you heard about this? No. All right. Airwinds Technology has created a hover bike and it's coming to the United States. Yes, I have heard about this. Have you heard about it? Have you heard how much it costs? Yes, I have. All right. So the flying bike debuted last week at the Detroit Auto Show. The hover bike can fly for 40 minutes and can reach a speed of about 62 miles per hour. The hover bike is already on sale in Japan and will be launched in the United States next year. The price is currently at $777,000. Yep. The company says it hopes to get the cost down to 50000 for a smaller electric model by 2025. Serious question. Serious question. 50000 If they get it down to 50000 will you buy this bike? No, but I will ask my rich friends to buy this bike so, so that I can ride it. Because you know that it's just going to be fun for the first time. And then you're like, what do I do with this $50,000 hover bike? Can you replace a car with it, though? Ooh, good question. You know, if it's going to go 62 miles an hour, you may be able to fly down the street. Well, after reading about this, which I did, because it is super cool. It's it, so this, cool. This is the, the hover bike we've been waiting for. I know. This looks like the ones from the movies where it's got the little wheels that turn downward and then push you up. Mm-hmm. And it's not big. You know, it's it's it looks more like a bike with the, it looks like a bike with a couple of sidecars mm-hmm. on it, but not big. It kind of so reminded me of a, and I only briefly glanced at it but almost like a bumper car or something yeah. like though it's like surrounded a little bit but it's just but a one man show there but it does it does look more like you're riding a motorcycle like where you're mm-hmm. one but of, you're not a Harley, but you're flying it's awesome so i did look into how long they could fly apparently it's only 45 minutes right now yeah i just said 40 on this one but so i guess you couldn't commute far yeah i don't like we might be able to make it to work and back but that's barely barely yeah. what do you do on your hover bike although if power. it's a hover bike do you have to stay on the roads i don't know that's a big question can yeah. you just cut right can through? you fly yeah what's it called like do nor what's the yeah. bird f- crow fly what's the term as, i'm looking as for the crow flies. no but you know like the no. straight shot there's a term for the straight shot never mind no i think it's as the crow flies <laughs> No, that's... <laughs> you said that, and no, I was sticking by what you said. That's a figure of speech. There's an actual. Never mind. Um, no, I don't know what the figure of speech is, okay. or the, the what you're looking for. But I do wonder that this kind of stuff to me is fun because if it became right now, if you bought a hover bike, you could do anything you wanted. But within because there's no rules. Because there's no rules. Yeah. Because within they don't know ten to... years, if everybody's getting hover bikes, or even a few people are getting hover bikes, all of a sudden. Now the government's got to step in and I make some rules. I need a license. Yep. I need to slow down. God, you flew, flew over that farmer's crops. And now he, he, his corn in that one area is a little bit over aerated. Mm-hmm. And so then we got to make all Wind kinds of rules. can't be too tented or yep. whatever it is. You can't get too high on those things either. That's, that's what's kind of cool is that I think it's only about 10 feet in the air that you go because the fans are pushing down. So they can't take you up too high. They got to be close enough to the ground to be hitting, mm-hmm. you know, getting some friction. Well, I th- I love that story. Thank you. Would you? Not right now, although your point about no rules makes me intrigued. I mean, I can't afford a $777,000 <laughs> bike. I know that's hard to what believe. What if they're 50000 But if they're 50000 and I could pl- replace a car, uh, my guess is they'll get less expensive and more advanced pretty quickly once the technology's out there. And I'd like one eventually. Uh, I'd like they, to ride one. It, these are those things they say, we'd like to get it down to 50000 does that mean you're going to, or is it you just mm-hmm. want to? Yeah, so you can get it to 250000 for <laughs> yeah, the next so, 10 years. Cool, thanks. Right, yeah, thank you. All right, here's mine. Last one here. Serious question. This is a super interesting story. It is a mystery, and it's been solved. 
So there's, for the last, I think maybe 30 years, police in New York City and the 911 system have been getting calls about a location called 312 Riverside Drive. And they're always crazy crimes that are going on at this location. Mm-hmm. Well, there is no 312 Riverside Drive. It doesn't exist. Where does it take you if you put that in GPS? Nothing. There is nothing. Nothing. So there's no building. The The closest is some... This route? Who... Okay, I am fascinated. Right? Tell me more. So it's, a, it's an art gallery or something that's the closest thing, but... When the crimes are reported, nobody's mentioning, oh, it's outside the art gallery. They're always 312 Riverside Drive. Mm-hmm. And so they started looking into this finally because it's be- it was becoming an internal <clears throat> kind of, not joke, but urban legend. Mm-hmm. Oh, if somebody, ca- you tell the rookie cop, oh, if somebody calls 312 Riverside Drive, go out there and investigate it. Oh, because there's, there's no, you're not going to find it. And so was this a police, was it law enforcement that was messing with other law enforcement or they were getting calls from the public for it? No, these are 911 calls. Hmm. I mean, unless it's law enforcement officers off duty making fake 911 uh-huh. calls. Well, I used to do that when I worked at Dairy Queen and Applebee's, you know, we'd tell people to go get something out of the basement or mm-hmm. go to this place or that place or the, and those no. places didn't exist. No, these are real calls, but they, they all know that they're not going anywhere. So they'll tell the new guy. Hey, go do this thing, and then they find out it's not. Well, then they also tell them after their initiation, okay, just so you know. Never go to that call. Anytime you get a call from 312 Riverside, there is none. They're hoax calls, or we don't know what they are, but this this thing. So just don't worry about them. Okay, so that's been going on for a long time, and I think in the last five to ten years, it they've gotten more and more calls. So they start, it, because it was one a year, for they weren't worried about it, not and too many resources wasted. Yeah, it's gotten more and more to where it's a thing. So they thought, okay, this is, maybe it exploded on Reddit, that in New York City, oh, if you want to call a fake thing in, call it at this address. And maybe it was even a police thing, like, use up the police. If you're ever going to go do a crime, call in this and then go do this other thing. Or what, I don't know. But they assumed the little secret that had been just theirs had started to get out. More and more people were doing it. So they started to look into it. Well, they found out that it actually, all the calls over the entire span of these years have come from one phone. Really? And they're just some random guy. So they tracked this guy down because it was becoming enough of a problem. They tracked him down and found out that his name is Walter Reed, oddly, Hmm. not like the medical center. He's a Connecticut-born man. And they go into his history. I don't know why you need to know all the things about him, but he moved to New York Is in the 1990s. No. No, because they found out he's he's got deep psychosis. He thinks all these crimes that he's reporting are real oh, all the guy. time. Yeah. And he thinks the location is real. He went into great detail about the building and about his ex-girlfriend who lives there who doesn't want to be associated with him anymore. And, but he's just looking out for her, so he watches the building. There is no building. There is no ex-girlfriend. All of it's made up in oh the mind of this guy. Gosh. And it's caused this urban legend for 30 years. That's incredible. Isn't it? Yeah. Um, so serious question. Serious question. Would you ever do any of that? <laughs> no, because you're supposed to go to jail for it. <laughs> I'm glad that you answered that because I don't know what I was asking. Would you ever do any of that? <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't do any of that, Ryan. That's good. ridiculous. Good, good. 
I wouldn't either. Mm-mm. It's because we're good citizens. Well, I was watching a Netflix documentary the other day about, I think it's called swatting, where you send, where the video game players will send SWAT teams to people's houses. Yep. And it became really trendy for a while. Yep. And one guy in particular was doing it a lot. And then he started calling in fake bomb threats places. Yep. So he'd be like, oh, you have to clear the school. There's a bomb. And then he did it to a TV station. And you can cause a lot of public nuisance and panic and waste a lot of police resources. So when I heard this, when you started the story, that's where my mind went. I thought this guy was messing with the police. It's crazy that his mind is doing that to him. Yeah. I want a movie. I want that movie. But I, do I don't want to know the ending. I want to go back in time, not know how this story ends. Yep. Watch that movie from that guy's perspective and then find out at the end me too that it's all in his head oh that's a good one because what you're seeing is you're seeing crimes happen at this location yes but then this is a scary place right and this guy is like a watchdog yeah and he's he's like how do i help it's like rear window Mm -hmm. he can't get there and then the police are coming, but there's no building when they show up. Or the people that he's st- are getting murdered, they're fine. Or he's seeing that the police like drive by and he can't, and they're not actually they're not helping like, him. They're not helping, even though these crimes are happening. Yeah, and then it's all in his head. And but at, at the, the end, end, you find out that he actually did have the ticket in his pocket uh. because he did go to that movie theater or whatever. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. One little detail. All right, we'll end there. Thanks for tuning in to Wiggins America. Hey, Trisha. Hey, thank Ryan. you for uh, basically doing this whole hour with me. Yeah, thank you for having me. This and this is fun. your last. Well, you won't be here next week. I won't be here next week because of what? Because I'm getting married. Because <laughs> you're getting married. So uh, I guess we'll see you the following week, as long as everything goes well. Well, thank you. I sure hope it does. <laughs> I hope to be back here the following. I got week. married. You know what? I realized I hate all of you. It's awful. I'm never coming back. <laughs> so we'll see you in two weeks. Um, Good luck and God bless you with everything that you're going to be dealing with over the next week. And uh, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Get the podcast by typing the Wiggins America at multiple spots. Get more at 971talk.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.